BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. What is going on with Scooter Braun? And is social media dead? You're listening to The Biz Tape. Welcome to The Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my lovely co-host, Coast to Coast, Joseph Wazaleski. Joining me again. Thank you. Thank you. Hold your applause. I am here. All is well. I've actually gotten a full night's sleep. I was about to be like, the way night. you're talking, I'm about to be like, blink twice if you need help. But I'm like, <laughs> I can't even see you if you're blinking. So, yeah, it's actually, I'm in a hostage situation, but you can never miss the podcast. We have to come on the podcast every week. The, the hostage. Not, after people. saying that out loud, it sounds. <laughs> Not, not great. Oh, God. Um, but, <laughs> but you know what? We're going to keep going with it. Uh, um, yeah, let's just keep going. Oh, Colin, how is, your, how is your week going? What's new with you? Oh, man. Very busy. Everything's on fire. Everything's also getting a new round of gear. You know how it is. Um, but Hell, yeah. Nothing People crazy. always think that summertime is like the slow time, but it's always horrible well we <laughs> in, in in my side on the live side like there's actually a running joke in my business now where especially like among the people i work with day to day where there used to be a slow season and there's not a slow season anymore like ever since the pandemic and i've said it on the show like literally we used to have like summer and then fall was like kind of you know like you know active and then like winter like late november late like or early December, there would kind of be nothing, and then like some pop up Christmas stuff would just all of a sudden mm. appear, and then there'd be a crazy thing at New Year's, and then January, February would be like dead, and then then you start the whole thing over. But like now, it's just all the time. We're just going on cylinders here. So, um, do you think that is due to low staffing, or do you think that it's just the demand is? is I think crazy it's the demand. I it's honestly the demand for 
this level of gear, even on a small scale, is astronomically bigger than it used to be. And um, I think it's like twofold. I think that it's on top of, you know, you just have people that are still on the pandemic like we've lost this time we need to recoup this time you know what i mean that we lost i think there's Mm -hmm. also just a number of smaller artists and smaller factions that due to a lot of these venues closing out literally just have to provide their own gear like like stuff that used to be just commonplace at these venues. It's like, yeah, we don't have it. We just got like a stage in the corner over there with like a Mackie mix. And you're like, no, we're not doing a show on a, you know, eight channel Mackie (laughs) mixer. You know what I mean? So it's like, I I think it's a combination of both. I mean, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think there's a lot of room for positive growth and positive kind of like, you know, resource allocation where we can keep using these kind of things over and over and over again and not have to rebuild or retool like everything every three seconds. But at the same time, it is a lot because I think we're in the very beginning stage of that in live touring. Anyway, not to go on a complete tangent about that. Joe, I don't know. What do you want to start or do you want me to start or? Um, Yeah, I'll start this time. I guess. Okay. Oh, it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of an odd one. Um, yes, you did preface that before we started, so I'm very intrigued where we're going with this. Yeah, I think this is like just kind of a topic that both of us have been like interested in, and I think the more painting, like the more that like social media um, has like this gone on, I think the more that this is becoming more of an argument. Uh, more so than it was in the past. And what I mean by that is um, The Atlantic actually came out with an article last year, and it's called The Age of Social Media is Ending um, by Ian Bogust. Um, And basically, Ian talked about kind of the history of social media and how it's kind of shaped over the years and like where it's at currently. Um, I guess not currently, like last year current, right? Um, But... uh, Funny enough, there's actually a Verge article that like came out recently in April that also uh, is saying social media is doomed to die. <laughs> um, so it's very much still in the conversation that um, people are talking about. And basically what Ian points out in this article is that when social media was created, it was created to connect you to real people in your everyday life. It was friends-focused. It wasn't brand-focused or anything else. It was just mm-hmm. like, oh, these are the people in my city, in my my region. Uh, this is how I can meet other people or keep up with people I already know, right? And, like, the biggest thing to that um, was, like, Facebook and um, uh, the one before Facebook that we will will never say. Friendster. Uh, no, <laughs> no. It actually it actually uh, went all the way back to a Flickr as well. Oh, like man, High God. Five and Flickr and like it's actually a very very interesting article and it's free to read. Everybody should take a look at it um, because I think it's written really well. And I don't know if I totally agree with his the way he left off um, the article. But I do think, like, for the most part, he does a great job of, like, keeping everything together, right? And, like, showcasing, like, this argument. Um, but basically what he's saying is, like, yeah, so the 
the beginning of social media, it was all friends-based. It was very personal. Then it started to dive, diverge once that, once like these Silicon Valley um, institutions basically found out that like, oh, our business model is to keep people on these pages. So at that point, they turned it into, okay, we're going to try to push content that is engaging to people. So it's not just your friends that you're seeing on these pages. It's like, other media and like other pages and like you're starting to see like bigger pages and like bigger creators as they come to be. And that's where social media turns into, or or, uh, I guess um, social media turns into social media. Basically it was social networking and then it turned into social media. I was going to say the term networking seems more applicable here where you're like, Oh, this is social media. Like, you know, like you're saying it's, people I know in real life or, you know, maybe people that live in another city that I know in real life. And then it like slowly was like, well, do you, you know, have a combined interest in something? You guys should all look at this together. Cause you guys all have a combined interest, which like, that is interesting to think about. It's like, I remember getting on the internet probably in like middle school. And it was specifically just like, this is just Facebook. so you can talk to like yeah facebook so like this is just so you can talk to the other people you know in real life and it is really funny mm-hmm. because like in a lot of ways well that's almost design colin let's yes. be real we Our all got on facebook on because of and mobsters <laughs> and um but like for real though like it, it was it was gauche to be like oh let me go connect with these people i don't know on the internet what like is, it was a not this is a dumb question but what does gauche mean? Oh, Joseph. Um, <laughs> it just, it, you know, it's like socially unpopular, like not, you know, oh, like, oh, gotcha. Ba- that's probably the that best was way like to a, say it. It's like a hip new Gen Z term. Nope. It's gauche. actually really old and probably proves how Colin is <laughs> technically in the top of Gen Z, but probably is closer to somehow a Gen X person. I don't know either. Anyway, the point is, is that I like, <laughs> I remember back then the point was like you were, this is an extension of your social being. It's not a place to meet people. It's a place to extend what you already have. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what's, what's kind of funny is like the way that social media is born is kind of in Ian's argument here is, is kind of, sociopathic in a way it's 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 not they didn't come right out and say like oh this is now turning into like media companies right they like kind of like phrased it as like a web 2.0 revolution in user generated content uh and he goes on offering easy to use easily adopted tools on websites and then mobile apps um and basically because of how popular these sites became they started engulfing the entirety of the internet, like to where you are not going on the internet to look at different websites anymore, right? Even to today, Mo- the, like I think it was like a crazy statistic. It's like ninety six percent of people going on the internet go to the same four sites or something, and they're all social sense. media sites. Yep, you know. So it's like because of that, a lot of like Silicon Valley was like seeing that this was becoming successful and grabbing a lot of attention. Um, And so 
these companies started popping up all over the place. They were called S&S um, companies. But then in the community, there was even a joke acronym called YASN, uh, which stands for yet another social network because pretty much every company was trying to start a new social network situation. It was mm-hmm. like that in apps. Like everyone was trying to get an app going, um, which kind of like sparked the fire for that as well. Um, but he goes on and like he kind of starts talking about like Facebook's rise and fall and how because it's it's kind of fully changed its it's kind of turned its back on a, on its original use. It's it's kind of floundered recently, especially with its use in the metaverse and how people just like aren't using Facebook as much as they used to be. It's like very much like, I wouldn't say it's a dying site, but it's, it's not stagnating the best. Yeah. It's stagnating. And like, to be honest, even like, uh, (laughs) it's still very early days, but even threads is kind of showing that. Well, like you Facebook, know, like almost has it, but not quite. Can I? Like, you know, can, well, let's let's hit on for a second, like that whole idea of Facebook VR and all that kind of stuff. Because honestly, in the way that people found that very cringy and very, you know, out of touch, I would say like one of my main criticism for it is that it felt out of time. And what I mean by that is, like, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, if you went to, like, a 2006, a 2007, and were like, hey, you know, you can connect with all these people you know in real life, like, with virtual reality and see them and interact, that seems, like, in the actual, I I almost want to say belief system of the internet, like where that was the design of the products was to extend what you already have. And for a lot of people now, like the internet is so, you know, tailored to escaping from what you have and what's around you and how you're perceived that it, it, it's, it, it became so such an antiquated idea for Facebook to go, we want you to connect to real life again more virtually. And everyone was like, that's freaking crazy. But I really do believe if you took this idea 20 years earlier, people would have jumped on that. It's the same thing, you know, the same reason that, you know, like we were joking about Farmville, but like that's kind of what it was like where it's like, oh, you go visit somebody else's farm, you go see what's up. In the same way that like AIM was a big thing, you know what I mean? Where you could Mm -hmm. just talk to everybody all the time no matter what but i think that on the whole the internet has changed so much from being an extension of your reality as opposed to now where it's a escape from reality like it's an escape from what's around you and it's you know it's weird because it has a veil of like collectivism like oh we're all viewing this together we're all human but because of like the flock kind of effect and the amenity here, like it just creates this dehumanizing thing where nothing feels real anymore. You know, anyway, I don't know why I just went on that succession kind of speech, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's good. That's uh, it's the new season of succession right there. Um, But yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things that's like, as Ian kind of points out more in the article, it's, that that shift of mindset is very present, especially with the um, introduction of Twitter, right? Uh, his argument was like that was like when 
social media was born pretty much because it instead of like you're in those chat rooms right talking with like other people it starts being topics focused and like Fair. there's media links that you can put on there and like that's how people like especially in like the news world are getting their news sources from right. is through twitter um and why it's so massively important to them and so like that s- started kind of a chain reaction for other social medias to like grab more eyeballs. Um, and it's gotten, it got so pervasive in our culture to the point of like, where, you know, you like asked any like eight year old what they wanted to be when they grow up. And it, it's always YouTuber, <laughs> you know, because it looks so nice and easy and like you get a lot of money and you get a lot of things and it kind of showcased a lot of like instead of like media showing like or social media showing like the people around you it's showing you what the rest of the world views as like high quality i guess in including like high quality people or something like that of like where it's like there's a lot of people piling in to watch one person right if that makes sense and views and, and notoriety to, for a lot of people unbeknownst to some people and very beknownst to some is just like that is a affirmation to a lot of people like psychologically that this is something noteworthy and worthy of you know at some points just even just noticing but also even emulation you know what i mean like just the act of having high numbers and everything I'm really glad you hit on that because uh, I think like the quote that really sums it up right now um, in in the article is quote, social media showed that everyone has the potential to reach a massive audience at low cost and high gain. And that potential gave many people the impression that they deserve such an audience. And I think that's still the case today. Like even with working with companies um, a lot of people hiring younger people are still very much like, oh, yeah, you need to be running social media because you're young, right? And, like, that's the thing we have to do and, like, we have to push push social media and, like, put a bunch of money towards it. But kind of, like, what Ian goes on to say is that, like, this is kind of – there's been, like, an attitude shift recently of, like – this is kind of getting to a point of, like, where people are just, like, no longer enjoying, no longer feeling good – about using this media anymore and are kind of like taking a step out of it because instead of like, Oh, connecting and networking with people, it's becoming consuming, all consuming, even to your day to day to, to the point of like an addiction situation. Um, and that's where I think like people are starting to kind of see that and take a step back. And I actually think like the introduction of TikTok has kind of fueled that faster because it's like gobbled up a bunch of other social media sites mm-hmm. pretty much and like is is giving other sites a run for their money but also I think even with TikTok's usage people are starting to understand now that like oh I'm not going to be a social media star <laughs> and I think that that's like the biggest thing like shift attitude shift that I've seen recently is like people, even younger people talking to younger people. It's like, they don't want 
to be on social media necessarily. It's not like it's not like the end all be all of their lives. And I think like it was to like mo- like millennials and like older Gen Z people growing up. And so like I yeah. think that that attitude has very much shifted. Um, I, I but mean, Colin, I, what do you I, think? I was gonna say. I mean, I agree. It's kind of. It's very weird. Like it, you know, life is cyclical at the end of the day. And especially like when it comes to media, extremely cyclical. But I remember there was this kind of, again, going back to kind of when I first was really like, we were in the internet kind of social media age. It was very in style, you know, to try to come into social media and then the like as time went on like you go to like 2007 2008 2009 like there's these like people that were just holdouts right and they were just like oh i'm not gonna go on social media or i don't have any or like if they do it's just like one picture of them and there's no content on there you know what i mean like and everybody like around that time i felt like was very much in the space going what are you doing? You got to be a part of this. You got to, you know, say what you want to say. I want to see a photo of you. I want to hear what you think about this article. I want to, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then that like fell more and more out of favor. And then I feel like we got to like 2010, 2011, 2020, or, you know, 2020, 2012, you know, when the world ended 2013, 2014, you know, and everybody was like, yes, we're on social media. And then now kind of kicking it back to like the 2020s, I feel like especially with the younger Gen Z, there is this kind of counterculture of more acceptance of being like, yeah, I don't have to, I I don't want to post anything. I don't have to, you know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. acceptable to be like, I'm going to post one photo of me every like, 10 to 11 months, you know, for an Instagram, for example, and that's going to be it. And I'm going to have a TikTok that has no videos or whatever. And I feel like if I went back to like the 2010s mindset, everyone would be like, you're crazy. And that translates Mm -hmm. even in the music business too. I think it's been really interesting to see like these people now who like there's a lot. And I will say, I think it does translate to more hype over what it is, but these creators who are known to be creators of, you know, either some form of art that's not just social media, right? Like, they'll just put, like, one photo of themselves every three months. It'll get, like, two million likes, and then they'll leave. You know what I mean? Like, and and I feel like that kind of account didn't exist in, like, the Mm mid-2010s. Like, and it was not socially acceptable. Everybody was like, you need to be on this, like weekly kind of schedule or you're posting things you're doing all this stuff and i you know i i don't mean to translate everything to business but also at the same time it it has translated to the way these content creators in the same way i was saying before kind of because of their mass appeal and all these likes and all these views end up trying to be emulated and so i think there has been kind of a swash of people that have been going more towards the no let's just be laid back with my internet presence and like less is Mm -hmm. more is more of the attitude. And it has been refreshing to see, although it has, it's starting to get a little bit weirder again. I think just with like, I I think we're still kind of in terms of how many people are doing that, like that less is more attitude. I think we're, we haven't hit the total high of that yet, 
But I do think it's kind of a trend that's happening. And then I think we're going to see it cyclically come back to be like, let's do more and more and more and more. And so it's, it's really weird. And I think the, the problem is, is it's like social media now it, is not a new thing. Like it's it just not, you know, and it, it has its own history, which for, you know, some people that are older, especially than us, probably sounds freaking insane to think about. Like you, you could probably analytically look at data from like a Facebook from like a 2010 through 2020 and have analytical data about how people posted, how long they posted and the trends of that information, which like, you know, it was so funny because I remember like even in college, like we'd have professors that would go, social media is a new thing. And he'd be like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Facebook came out in 2004. You know what I mean? So yeah, the point is, yeah, it's pretty rough is I think there it, is now we're getting with social media, like you're saying, it's fundamentally different than what it was. It's not just like, you know, it's not like uh, you you ever get like a history book in uh, in high school or something, and it's like, and this is modern day two thousand two. There is nothing past two thousand two, and it's like two thousand twelve. You know, like that's how it's mm-hmm. felt like with social media forever, and how people have treated it. It'd be like, there's nothing new, and I'm be like, no, we've been going through a lot of changes online, and I think a lot of people, you know have been almost accused of being chronically online because they've kind of noticed these changes all the time. But I do think it has wider implications on the way that these creators come up and the way these creators ebb and flow and everything. And it affects their day-to-day livelihood. And then therefore the greater populace and how they do it, because if they're really popular, we should emulate the same styles of, you know, them. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things that, is real. I mean, we're in a cyclical thing. It's like the same, it, it, it's almost like the same of me being like, oh, the recorded music business was way different in 1990 versus 2020. It would be like me today being like, CDs just came out. No, they did not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know, Joe, what do you think about all this since you're, you know, kind of our social media guy? Yeah, I think like, I'm trying to kind of distinguish too, like my own personal, and, and that is hard because it's like social media. You take yourself it, out. Yeah, it is very much a bubble, right? It's like your own individual bubble. That's kind of the appeal of using the internet right now. Um, I think that. Well, there's there's kind of this thing where which I think like is left out of this article because I I just don't think like there's enough data yet. Um, but I do think that TikTok has kind of surpassed a lot of other platforms um, to and has shifted the tone of what social media is like currently. Um, but I also think that like using social media has kind of become work for a lot of people, even because it's like so integrated in our daily lives and our professional lives at this point. And this is like coming from someone who works in media, right? Like, and of course, you know, I was going to say, I'm going to be you know more that's in really, social media. Really scary to all of these companies that have been making promises to investors about exponential growth for the last 10 to 15 years, because if it's not yeah. just organically fun for the random person to make content, it's like, Oh God, we got to pay people to make this now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that like every business was trying to be on social media 
and push their product. And I don't think that that, you know, from a business perspective, I think it really depends on your your branding. Like, I don't think it necessarily is going to have an impact if you're a shovel company. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's it's something that, like, I feel as though a lot of younger people are in fact viewing it as just work um, and they're not really enjoying their time on social media and it has become more of an addiction situation. Um, yep. And yeah, I think like they're, they're distancing themselves just like Gen Z is distancing themselves from drinking, from partying, from whatever, um, this this is something else that I think they're also distancing themselves from because I think that they've seen the negative impacts that it has. Mm-hmm. And also, too, we didn't even talk about like the the controversial content that's being pushed out to people and has been proven that it that is indeed part of the grand scheme of these social media companies to do is cause discourse so that they hook you in longer. Um, and that in itself is like, as, as, as a way of like how it's impacted society, I think people are starting to like realize that it it is a negative it's, it's net negative, especially (laughs) when you don't have that kind of organic environment that has to be, you know, Mm -hmm. fostered. Like it, it's more of, they have to literally stoke the flame on a lot of this stuff. And there's nothing more that will get more eyes on somebody than a controversial thing. So it's like they will, you know, that kind of social media companies will play this game of being like, well, you know, we didn't know about this. And it's like, yeah, you, you kind of did. You know what I mean? It's like we, you knew about this trend that was very deadly and not a good thing, but you just kind of, you kind of just kept it there for a minute so everybody would come look at it and then you took it mm-hmm. away before it got too crazy in your opinion and then now it's banned from the platform like shit like that you know what i mean where it's it's a little interesting or it's sometimes it's even i i think because of the economic conditions these companies have been they have kind of resorted to this craziness of we need these giant big things to happen on our platform all the time because guys, the investors are actually at our door. They're not just believing that we're going to have exponential growth anymore. And that can Mm -hmm. lead to some scary situations when it comes to what is available online and also like what these companies will kind of turn a blind eye to, to get eyes to come to the platform and then therefore talk about the thing that's controversial in the first place, generating more content. So I I agree with you, Joe. I mean, we, we definitely are in a, a different kind of era. I, and I think that to be honest, just that we have a lot of people that now are just online of, all ages, you know, at one point, you know, when we were growing up, it's like, ah, you know, the younger kids do it. No, it's like your dad's got Facebook. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of what it is now. Right. And so it's like, everybody's got some social media now. So I think the thing is, is that we're seeing some generational change take effect because everybody's got social media and the people who have been on it since the beginning have literally been on social media for 20 years. 
Like, yeah. And it, it, yeah. And like, it's, it's fundamentally not change. changed that much. Yeah. And that's why it, it is time for change. And like, I think, I think there's just like this thing that people are feeling kind of all over the place. That's like, Oh, this isn't as fun as it used to be. Oh God. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that I pers I personally think that like, I, I do think social media is on the decline. Right. Currently, there has to be like another idea. There has to be a shift of how companies uh, Zuckerberg gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> we could all go to work and say Facebook. that again, but slow. <laughs> Zuckerberg gave it to you. You know, like um Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Joe, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Um, I have seen this everywhere. I'm like, we got to talk about it. And I'm just going to call this section, what the hell is happening with Scooter Braun? Um, The answer, a lot of things. But the main point (laughs) is that I, and like, I want to say this without taking any responsibility, personal responsibility away from the man. Scooter Braun is one human being. And that is, like, honestly, my central thesis of what's going on with Scooter Braun. So he is, in fact, a human being. He is one human being. One. (laughs) And uh, if you don't know, Scooter Braun, he is arguably one of the biggest faces in the music business of our time, like it or not. He is up there now with the likes of a David Geffen or an Ahmed Erdogan. Like, literally. He is a household name when it comes to music business, right? If, if you don't know, he's a very famous high-profile manager. He's very famous for discovering Justin Bieber and taking him under his wing and, you know, mentoring him and everything and coming up with him and a number of other famous clients. And as of recent history, which has really kind of hit the nail over the last couple of years, he has come to be vilified as the head of Ithaca Holdings, which Ithaca Holdings is the company that held Taylor Swift's recordings under her former label, Big Machine, and then they sold Taylor's original recordings off to another company called Shamrock Holdings. There's a lot of tea on that. We actually had a whole thing where I talked about what the hell was going on with that for a while. We're just going to move past that for a minute. Um, Anyway, the point is, is that if you hadn't listened to that episode... It basically led to Scooter become becoming the internet's number one bad corporate music man for a while, right? Like, he was the bad man for a very long time. And Ithaca Holdings, like, kind of was in a lot of hot water, but it, it simmered off. It was chill. And then they merged with HYBE, which we also covered on the show, which is a, no understatement, giant entertainment company that is the company from South Korea that brought the world BTS and a number of other K-pop bands. So they merged together in a billion dollar merger in 2021. And now Scooter, as of January this year, is the CEO of HYBE America, which, you know, the American division of an entertainment company is going to be exceedingly busy. And it is a company that is being looked at by many in the music business as a wonder and something to look at all of the time. So now that you got all the background, here's what's been happening to Scooter in the last couple of weeks. Scooter has been rapidly losing his clients one by one, basically. His bread and butter as a manager, basically. He notably, before all these other ones started leaving, 
He's notably lost two within the last year, which I'm going to cover before we get to what I would consider, you know, some of the biggest losses all at once. So Scooter's management company is called SB Projects, which got to give it to him. He is humble. Um, (laughs) SB (laughs) Projects, uh, basically, they have all these clients underneath them that Scooter is the head of this management company, meaning they have teams of people that work with these all these other people as well as Scooter. Uh, but, you know, earlier this year they had lost, which I didn't know this, um, uh, they lost uh, Idna Menzel, the famous Broadway star, which I didn't know she was managed by Scooter, but that was cool. Everybody usually knows her from Wicked. And then uh, mm-hmm. Latin superstar uh, Jay Balvin in May, actually, who left to go to Rock Nation, which is owned by Jay-Z. So that was kind of like, let's say that was the writing on the wall. And so what's kicked started a lot of this controversy is that the other clients he's lost literally within the last weeks, which have kind of been like ride or dies with Scooter, which is Demi Lovato and longtime client Ariana Grande, who have both left him this month. Uh, Demi said that the split was amicable while Ariana says they left on quote friendly terms, but wanting something new which was kind of interesting because this is actually not the first time that Ariana has left Scooter, but she's been with Scooter since 2013. So like literally since Ariana has kind of been on the come up with her music, Scooter's been right there with her. She did leave him Mm -hmm. like literally for maybe like a month or two in 2016, a couple months, something like that. I couldn't get an exact thing, but she came back. So like, you know, (laughs) it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a real life breakup where it's like, uh, you guys came back. All right. There's nothing else we can do anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, we broke up before. Now we're bringing up again. Uh, I don't know. You know, uh, anyway, it's very tea filled because there's some insiders that according to Vox claim that SBB, uh, that Ariana is actually still under contract, which I thought was really interesting. And you want to know how like out of left field this was, uh, Scooter Braun Project's social media was actively promoting her new album literally minutes before she started talking about that she was leaving Scooter. So wow. something was, some wires were crossed and it was not looking good, especially since Scooter is known for being a very calculated guy who, you know, has all these business dealings. So there's a lot of allegation going on, specifically with Ariana, which I thought I should cover, but like this is kind of an example of some of the other things that some people have alleged with Scooter Braun projects. Basically, there's been a lot of allegations around Scooter Braun projects of not being kind of attentive at the wheel, specifically in Aria or Ariana's situation. They were allegedly kind of blaming them for not helping her navigate her most recent controversy, which if you don't know anything about that, Ariana recently divorced her husband and there was a lot of backlash around that. Cause she immediately started dating her wicked co-star cause she's on Broadway and Ethan mm-hmm. Slater is the guy's name and Slater recently separated from his longtime partner and mother of his recently born son. So there was a lot of like, disgruntled fans the the other spouses were not happy about their relationship and everything so she was getting pulled under the rug like she had a new album out and like nobody cared everybody was like what are you doing you know and so it's been alleged that supposedly ariana's team 
was not happy because Scooter Scooter's uh, company did not help them try to navigate this with the press and everything like that. And she really got that's the honestly the last thing I heard about Ariana Rose that she had this whole thing and people literally were being you know. Well, however you think about it, people were saying stuff like, oh, well, you know, she got with this guy and broke up a marriage. and She broke up her own marriage. So it was bad, right? But, like, mm-hmm. that's kind of the main vibe that a lot of people have alleged is that Scooter Braun projects us a little bit, for lack of a better term, been asleep at the wheel. On top of that, I just mentioned Demi and Ariana because they're some of the biggest ones that Scooter has. Uh, representatives for Joe's favorite, Carly Rae Jepsen, Baby Jake, yeah. and Asher Roth confirmed to the Associated Press that these artists no longer work with Scooter and haven't for quite some time. So we're up to mm. five artists so far. It is also alleged that Scooter Braun Projects and Scooter have little contact with Bieber anymore. With Justin Bieber, which literally was his bread and butter client. Uh, yeah. Puck News' Matt, Matthew Belliani reported that Justin Bieber was looking for new management after a silent split from Scooter Braun on August 18th. Although wow. he is still listed as a client on the SBP website, although that lists past and current clients, which is an important uh, distinction there. But none of this has been confirmed. But it's kind of a mess because literally, like I was saying, Scooter's bread and butter is alleged to be leaving. Uh, Demi's been with him for a very long time. Ariana's one of his biggest artists. He has all of these other artists that are leaving. He's had other artists that have left this year. And Nobody really knows what's going on. But the one thing we do know what's going on is that Scooter is currently stepping into his role as CEO of HYB America and plans to stay mm. there for you know the foreseeable future. They have very big plans, especially with going into the Latin music scene and have very big ambitions. So that's kind of the main thing we know is that he's taking a lot of responsibility on and the main thing that Scooter's team has said is that they have made a statement stating that he would be stepping back from hands-on management, which Vox puts it probably the best, quote, it makes sense then that multiple clients who've been long used to personal caretaking from Braun might have soured on the prospect of less one-on-one approach and want to move on, which is actually really notable because Vox also puts this, and I've read this other places as well, Scooter is very well known for having a one-on-one mentor kind of type style with artists. He's very known for a personal touch with artists and working with them one-on-one all the time. So it would make sense that that could be a big factor, especially if Scooter's been relying more on his team to do more of the managing than he has. And, you know, Scooter Braun's a big name, and obviously he's very well-respected and very well-respected among his clients. So this big of a change in roster is huge. Um, I kind of want to put it on this again. Scooter is one man. One man. (laughs) Yeah, you cannot be the, a lot. You cannot be. I, I my honest opinion about this, and I'll, Joe, I'll give you time to speak about this as well. He's just got too much on his goddamn plate, <laughs> and yeah. uh, he definitely. I mean, he he's already made the call that he's stepping back from hands-on management. Could this kind of have been, you know, foreseen that clients were going to have issues? 
absolutely. And maybe that could have been handled better. But at the end of the day, people are given all these conspiracy theories, given his reputation with Taylor Swift, that, you know, it's because Scooter Braun is an asshole. Everybody hates Scooter. Everybody. And I go, no, no, no. This guy, they've been with them for years. I mean, like all of these clients have been with them for years. I think it's just doing too much. (laughs) Yeah, it's I mean, you know, obviously, like there's a personal touch to the way that he handles clients, uh, I guess, for like a decade, I feel like. But it does seem like this is more of like a business parting of like the actual company rather than honestly the. Uh, Ariana one seems the most like personal. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> one's like, very personal uh, and it yeah, is brought but that up. That was also this, a personal situation. That it, was if like, you're interested, I'm going to put it below as we do with all our sources, but this Vox article about it, it's probably one of the best ones I've found because they really lay out all of the relations and they even go into the Taylor Swift drama. If you don't know anything about that, but one of the points they do make in the article is that all of these artists may have their own reasons. You know, um, Mm -hmm. one of the main things that were said was like, for instance, Demi's had a lot going on in their life. Like they came out as non-binary. They had to go back into rehab. You know what I mean? So there's a lot going on in their life. So maybe they decided, oh, I don't want this style of management anymore. And currently they're just going through their back catalog and kind of re-recording in rock styles, you know, which is not in my opinion, the Scooter Braun style of all guns ahead, I'm going to make you the biggest yeah, pop it seems artist. Like, it seems like, let's take like what Scooter Braun's nemesis did. <laughs> and, well, and, and it's so it. funny because Scooter is allegedly the one that was telling Taylor to re-record the masters. And I believe that she even admits that the Taylor even admits that, but the, That's funny. Another point that was brought up as well is other than, you know, people having their own reasons is that when HYBE and Ithaca Holdings, which is Scooter's company, uh, m- merged together, there were very large payouts to different people in the like grand scheme of Scooter's clients. Uh, per variety, mm-hmm. some clients like Bieber and Grande walked away with $11 million in shares from the deal. Others like Balvin and Lovato received much less. Lovato received just $1 million. So, quote, as Vox puts it, the unequal payouts have fueled speculation that perhaps money disputes drove the walkouts, though no sor- sources mm-hmm. have confirmed this. So there could be just maybe bad blood there. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on in this situation that I feel like, you know, can be ruled into, oh, well, Scooter's got his own problems personally and how he manages his business. That's fine. But I definitely think some of these other ones are huge, more, you know, Occam's razor type things that a man can't be the one-on-one manager with many A-list music stars while at the same time running one of the most sought after and wonder filled music companies in the world currently as the CEO (laughs) Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I'm sure you can speak to Call this, Joe. Like, you know, everything with managers is also just like the segmentation of management as well. Like how it's not just like one guy all the time. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like, it's hard to delegate, right. Especially with, with artists who require a personal touch. Like I, I would say most, if you're managing artists, like every artist is going to want you to be like personally involved and invested in their project. 
Right. Um, so I don't think that that is necessarily like as crazy. I think it's like different that it, like he has his own management company, right? So he's running it different than like a red light would or like some other management company. Um, but it's like, it's one of those, it's a situation like where there's no information and we would have to see what happens. What I was actually going to ask Colin, like, isn't there, I don't know if this was rumored or if this was true, but wasn't Bieber's, uh, like law team, like filing a lawsuit against Scooter? I hadn't seen anything confirmed about that specifically on Bieber. I mean, kind of going in the thread that that might've been, that might've been not true. Well, fair. But there was specifically like, Bieber. I will say like his main things that people have said, like his personal points, for instance, are, you know, obviously when we've covered on the show, Bieber has kind of stepped back a lot. He's had a lot of health issues, you know, so maybe he's just, trying not to be, you know, in a management contract anymore, right? Like maybe yeah. he could step away, do this uh, Ramsey Hunt syndrome that he has. So like there, there's a lot going on in this and it's just, I think, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where I feel like for lack of a better term, like I said, Occam's razor, the most likely, you know, easiest path of less resistance is probably, is probably the most likely, I do think that, you know, obviously artists have their own thing, but I just think that Scooter probably, you know, for his own career has been less personal with all of these A-list stars due to having an entire Scooter Braun project management company, right? He's been more removed. He's stepping into a role that usually people just have to do by themselves. They don't do anything else other than be a CEO, right? Like maybe they're like on a charity board, right? Like it's not just like, oh, you're running three successful companies? No. So like I think Occam's Razor, like it might just be that he spread himself too thin. A lot of these artists feel like they haven't had the personal scooter touch and Mm -hmm. maybe they cause, maybe they cause their own kind of, you know, uh, rolling hill, if you will, going on when they announced, hey, Scooter's personally, you know, as a company, we will say this out loud now, Scooter's not going to be involved as much anymore. And then everyone was like, okay, well, let's get our ducks in a row and figure out what we're doing because we're probably going to have to leave because we want somebody that has the personal touch like Scooter. And Scooter said he's not doing it anymore. So I, I just think it's it, it's been blown out of proportion a lot because of this drama that he's had with Taylor. Like, I think that there's a lot of people that are rooting that he's just like, you know, we found the, you know, like we found the the evil. Yeah. Right. Like we found the, the, the cauldron that makes him a witch in the back of his office. Like, that's what I feel like people are waiting to hear. Right. Like we found his evil plans written out on a notebook, but like, I just honestly think this guy was, it it still is very well loved by a lot of clients. I just think that he spread himself too thin, you know? And I think after his company had to literally say out loud, Hey, we're spreading ourselves too thin. Scooter can't be involved personally anymore. A lot of clients are like, then what am I here for? I was here for Scooter. You know what I mean? Well, and also too, I think like, uh, the, the, the fact of the matter is like, if Scooter just didn't manage anymore, he still had an insane run. <laughs> like when it comes to like these clients. Oh yeah, if Scooter like, was just retiring, 
Like, it would just be like, I feel like everyone would go, all right, you know, they're all leaving because he's just He doesn't just seem like the type of guy that would ever retire. He probably isn't. Like, that's to, what I, to be I fair, see him as like a David Geffen. Like, he's just going to keep going. I mean, literally, he's stepping into the role of this mythical merger, right? To run this mm -hmm. label that has so much capital and so much hype around it, right? And so this is, if anyone thinks this is a downgrade, <laughs> this is an up and up scenario. To get out of management into the top of the C-suite, absolutely an upgrade, right? Because you're at the will mm -hmm. of, you know, you just got to convince you know, obviously it's higher stress because you're going to convince the shareholders, but the benefits and the luxuries that are offered to you more than being, you know, the top of your own company to be in a publicly traded company. Oh my God, what a different world, right? So yeah, he, he's stepping up, right? Like I would not consider like obviously the situation, you know, on paper, if I just said Scooter's losing all his clients, Oh wow, that is bad. But like when you think of the context of where Scooter's going, it's insane, right? Like yeah. this is stuff I've been talking about on the show forever and like not to hype it up, literally pun intended, I guess, but like this company, like, you know, that people were trying to trade the stock when it first came out and it's hundreds of dollars now and you don't see that a lot in a music public corporation. So yeah. Warner trades for like $34 a share. This trades for like $250 a share. So mm -hmm. it has a lot of market hype and a lot of, you know, upper echelon potential that Scooter can capitalize if they run it well. He's, you know, obviously part of the American arm, but guess what? The American arm is very important in an entertainment company. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, Joe, I just thought, you know, I mean... And lastly, kind of getting the logistics of everything, like, it's one thing that I think a lot of people forget is that there's a reason that we call them artist teams, right? There's a reason, yeah. you know, Scooter, I'm sure, is very talented based on what all these people say about him and everything and, and what he's done for these people and these careers he's helped foster, Right. But these teams are really what like have kept the day-to-day -day going. I mean, we personally, I know between the two of us, know much, much fathoms of magnitude smaller clients that are too busy by themselves now that they have to have a day-to-day -day manager and then they have to have an overall manager, right? And so mm -hmm. I can't even imagine if you were at like, you know, Ariana Grande level, the amount of people that are involved I mean, you have with to that. Have what was it like? I mean, maybe a bad example, but Taylor Swift had like a team of managers. Right. It's like the same level, right? It's like you get to a certain threshold and you literally are like, it. it is a whole group effort. It, it cannot physically be one person. Yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. And, and that's like what I want to hit on here is like, I don't think, any of that in Scooter's case is an irregularity at all. I would even argue that it's extremely fostered in the music business to have this, you know, kind of teamwork mentality of a manager. I think because of the public perception of management, everybody always assumes that like everyone's manager 
is like one guy who runs all the shots. You know what I mean? Or one girl that runs all of the shots and they call everybody and they do everything personally. And that's just not the case. Like they Mm -hmm. divvy out this stuff now. Like it's just too much for one person most of the time. And usually, you know, it's a two man, a three man, a four man team, you know, for some of these bigger artists. So obviously at the same time that, you know, people are coming down and be like, Scooter, why are you not personally involved? Which we've kind of covered why Scooter isn't personally involved anymore. He's got a very big responsibility stepping into. At the same time, if you're listening to this, this is not an irregularity. Like, this is a very normal thing in these big management companies where they go, this person's my manager. And then I go, who deals with you 85% of the time? Is it that guy? No. <laughs> It's that guy? Okay, so that's your day-to-day manager. That's the person that mostly deals with you. How are they? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, these bigger managers do big things. They have huge connection. This is Scooter Braun. Like, he could open doors all the time with just a phone call that maybe one of these lower day-to-day managers would have to, you know, have a leap and a prayer to get, right? Which is the power of mm-hmm. having this kind of big and small thing. But at the same time, he's not involved with all the minutia because at the end of the day, some of it is just beneath Scooter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, be like, yeah. oh, why do I have to negotiate every venue? You got this. You know what I mean? You negotiate payout of the venue. I've done this a thousand times. You know? Um, so it, it's, I think it, it's come down to this media perception with Scooter, which, you know, you can think about how he did with Taylor Swift however you want. But, like, at the end of the day, I think it's really come down to Scooter's one man, and I think there's a lot of misinterpretation about how many people are actually your manager. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they just always think it's that, you know, one guy or girl in the back going, like, I'm with you, toots, to the end. You know, we're here together since I found you in that nightclub in 63. You know, and it's like, no, <laughs> it's not like that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Well, what kind of uh, nightclub music you've been listening to, Colin? Oh God, I'm trying to find it right now. Nightcore, some nightcore, nightcore music. I saw this video um, that was on uh, TikTok, and it was like the stupidest video. It was like 24 hours, but the video was like every time my dog shows up in the frame, it speeds up nightcore. So it's just like silence, <laughs> and it's like. That's amazing. It's so good. And it's like at eight times speed. So like the video is like insane how fast the dog is running around. Anyway, keep going. Joe, <laughs> what have you been listening to? Um, I've been listening to the new Omar Apollo single, uh, I Slippin'. Um, I think like it's one of his best songs, in my opinion. It's just such a good track. Um, I also discovered this artist. I had no idea how big this person was, but Sid Serena. I'm botching this. Sri Ram. Sid Sri Ram. Yeah. Um, he's an artist uh, from America, but actually huge in India. Um, and he's scored like tons of like Bollywood films um, and stuff. But like he's kind of, he just released a, a record called Siddharth. Um, and it's like a bit more, it seems to be like catering more towards like an American audience. Um, but 
some of the songs on there are amazing. Like the, just the production and the, just, just so we're aware, like how out of it I am. Uh, this man has 12 million monthly listeners, which is insane. Crazy that I have not heard of him before. Um, but yeah, very, he's fine. <laughs> he's very successful. Um, but the music is, is pretty great. And then been listening a lot to Alison Potier's, um, record, uh, called shaking hands with Elvis, her EP. Um, I actually just love everything about the rollout of that EP, but also the creative and just the songs in general. It's, it's just, it's all just makes sense. And it's just really, really well done. So good. Colin, what have you, well, I've been feverishly Googling right now because (laughs) there's this band that's kind of big on TikTok (laughs) and they're, their name is Saka Nation, which is a their Japanese band. And I'm trying to tell you what the name of the song is, but I can't copy paste from YouTube Music because it's in all Japanese, so I can't tell you what the song is. But it's been really big on oh, TikTok, yeah. and I've been listening to it, and I really like it because everybody's joke with it is just like, oh, it, it's the end of the anime where like the main villain has just been like ripped his heart out, and then the credits roll, and they're like all dancing at the end of it like (laughs) that's like the vibe of this music um yeah but uh i really like it um other than that i was uh i'm really gonna i'm just gonna fly through colin's random things so i was listening also to uh george Strait, all my exes live in texas um always always (laughs) a good one a karaoke favorite of mine um a classic yeah, it's just me playing a character, man. Um, but I just—that's how I eat it up at karaoke. If it's—if I feel like I'm in a character, that's when I eat it up at karaoke. And then the other one is—I've uh, been listening to Stevie Wonder with his last—I didn't know this, but this is his last number one ever, which is a uh, part-time lover. You and me, my part-time lover. Um, but oh, yeah. that's, that's that's what cool. I've been listening to. Oh my God! Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so I've talked about this band before. This is exactly what this is. I cannot believe I'm losing my mind right now. So freaking speaking of TikTok changing the internet, I've talked about this song on the. I cannot believe I'm listening to this right now, but there is a band called Local H I've talked about on this show, and they just released <laughs> literally just as I saw this, just looking through my music. They just listened to their one of their like most angsty songs, which is called Bound for the Floor. And it's sped up and I cannot believe that there's a sped up version <laughs> of this. This is a six minute song usually, but it's Hell yeah. God or a three minute song. God, what the fuck? How is this sped up? Anyway, TikTok. Well, for we you. know what Colin's going to be listening to. So tune in next. Tune in next time. And you learn to accept it. Now you won't forget it. And you just don't. Social media. Do I have to say any more? Anyways, guys, thank you for listening to the Biz Tape. We hope to see you next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.